good fishermen do. We tell good stories and we quit early and we went and ate. <laughs> we went to Applebee's and, and had some dinner. Um, but that was a great time. And uh, we talked yesterday about continuously learning. And uh, that's a lot about what the message has to do today. Make sure we continuously are learning. No matter where we're at in our physical age or spiritual walk, we're always learning. So uh, special thanks for those. And a uh, special prayer for Huff and Sally as they're not here today. Um, but they can just have a good time while they're away at this weekend and the conference and everything. So, um, but great to be in God's house this morning with all of you. So thank you. It's hard to make eye contact with about 40 people at the same time, so I'm trying if you can't figure it out. Um, but uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning, and uh, then we will get started with the message. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you, Lord, so much for being able to gather in your house this morning and worship you. It's just so awesome to think that you know, Christians around the world have set this time aside, set this day aside, as you've um, said, to honor you. And we just thank you, Lord, for that. And we pray today that this message can touch our hearts, can challenge us. And uh, we're all in different places uh, when we come into this house of worship. Uh, but we worship one God and we worship one Savior. And we thank you, Lord, so much for that and the opportunity to be in your house to worship and praise you and to learn about you this morning. It's in your son's precious name that I pray. Amen. All right. Um, if you can stand for the reading of the word this morning, it will be in Second Peter. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. And um, just in the spirit of being like Pastor Huff, I have my hanky here for when my sinuses act up this week. So we've been fighting those, but um, we are ready to go this morning. So 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5. Here we go. It says, For this very reason... Make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ." All the Lord's people said, Amen. Amen. All right, please be seated. All right. I shut my Bible. I'm not done yet. Sorry about that. <laughs> so, awesome. Um, so, I titled the message this morning, Climbing the Corporate, I mean, Christian Ladder. All right. And because uh, everybody can relate to that concept of climbing the corporate ladder. So, and, um, Yes, there is a ladder on the stage. I've been called out a few times. Jeff thought he forgot his tools, um, but that is a prop on the stage. It's meant to be there. Um, so we are going to talk a little bit about today, not of climbing the corporate ladder, but of climbing the Christian ladder, um, because our home ultimately is not here. And we want to continue to look forward with a very eternal perspective as we climb that ladder toward heaven. So, but that requires... That requires hard work, and it requires diligence. Um, some of the things that I'm seeing in the corporate world is that the hard work that it takes to climb the corporate ladder or to be successful, everyone is expecting that time frame to be much shorter than it really is. They don't want to put the work in that it requires to do that. And what I mean by that is I see that, you know, um, as, as I've moved to different roles and positions, I've been in those positions three, five, six years before I move around to another little one, right? So, but what I found is when I talk to people, we, we lost an employee at work the other day. And I was like, well, why, why, are you, why are you leaving? We did an exit survey. And um, she said, well, I don't, I don't have an opportunity to advance. And I was like, you've been here three months. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, three months? And she said, well, I thought I would have an opportunity to, I'm like, okay. Whatever, I, I can see, I can see what we're, what we're doing here, right? But it takes hard work. It takes diligence to climb the ladder, and it takes hard work in our spiritual journey as well. So we're going to talk about a little bit of the Christian ladder. It's all, some people have called it the moral ladder or the faith ladder, um, but we're going to talk about it from our passage here today. So as we started here in verse 5, it says, for this very reason, all right, for this very reason. So what reason are we looking at? that we need to put some work in and climb this ladder, all right? And so let's look at chapter 1, verse 3 in Second Peter. It says, His divine power 
has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. All right, so right there. All right, so let's look at one thing here. His divine power. God's power. We can't wrap our human minds around God's power. But some of those first things that come into my mind, right? God spoke. Boom. And it came into existence. Now that's power. Now, I look at Brother Greg and I'm like, bam, speak that large cone from Jules. I don't have that power, right? I don't have that power, right? But God spoke, right? God spoke, right? And the earth was formed. He had that power, right? He had that power. The seas parted, right? There's this, all this technology in fishing nowadays. You could actually, they have what's called the side imaging. And you can like put this little fish finder on your boat and it'll shoot out this way and shoot out this way. And it'll tell you if there's a rock over there or a stump over there. I actually saw something the other day, live, live sonar imaging, to where you can put your fish finder in there and it'll tell you, you can see a fish swimming 30 yards over there. And you can cast over there, right? So man's trying to get that power, but think about our God the Father who parted the Red Sea, right? He could tell where every fish was at, but he had the power there to part that Red Sea, right? Think about Daniel in the lion's den. He had the power to close the jaws of those lions, right? He wasn't touched. He had the power to do that. Nothing is impossible with God's power. So his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption in this world because of sinful desire. So we started with God's power. And then it goes into his promises, right? Wow, think about all the promises that God has given us, right? Deuteronomy 31.6, Huff just spoke on that um, a week or two ago. He will never leave you or forsake you. Jeremiah 29, I'm actually going to flip to Jeremiah 29 because all we know is the part about uh, to prosper, right? But Jeremiah 29.11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Right? We live it out. And of course, this is talking about Jeremiah's letters to the exiles. But those promises, right? If we know that we come closer to God and we seek him, he will hear us and he will comfort us and he will be there and he will provide for us. That is a promise that he gives us. John 14 34, excuse me, John 14, 13, and 14. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that my Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. And these aren't just empty promises for things that you want, right? I want that ice cream, I want that Dodge, I want that Chevy, I want that. No, no, no. He's talking about the more spiritual, the more eternal things, that if you align your heart with God, He'll give you those blessings if you align those, because that's His promise. So from these verses 3 and 4, we have God's power. He gives us those promises. And sometimes I still don't understand as a believer. But it says right here in verse 4 that you may become partakers of the divine nature. I don't know why he lets us have the blessings in our life that we do when we seek him and we know him. But it says right there that that's one of the promises. That we, his, by his power, he gives us the promise to partake of his divine nature. And what does that allow us to do? Now, this is the reason for our passage. What that allows us to do is to escape the corruption of the world and be more like our God, our Creator. Now, who doesn't want to escape the corruption of this world? Now, that's hard, right? Because we get tempted in so many ways. But I don't want to get bogged down anymore. My life got a lot better when I listened to the news only five minutes a day instead of 30. Right? I found that I can get what I need, and that's all I need. The world's not burning down, or this person needs, they do need some help. They do need this, right? But we focus on that. But we get to partake in it and escape the corruption of the world. Now, all that's God's part. All that's God's part. Through His power, His promises, we get to partake. But we got to do some work, too. 
And that's where we get to our main passage today, to where we can't grow stagnant as believers. We must keep climbing in our spiritual journey. You can be a spiritual infant and be 70 years old, even though you've went to church for 40, 50 years, right? And as far as like the maintenance guys at work, we talk about, all right, do you want a maintenance guys with 20 years experience? Or do you have a maintenance guy that's got 20 years of the same one year of experience? See the difference, right? Are you learning? Are you growing? Are you getting better? Or are you just doing the same old thing time after time after time after time? So we're going to go through this ladder um, here that we have, and we're going to start with the first thing. And in our scripture, it says faith. All right. I don't know if my tape will hold, but we'll see. All right. The first step of the ladder is faith. All right. Faith. Saving faith in God. Saving faith in God. So we have to have a solid foundation. Very important to have a solid foundation. Brother, Brother Brian, now this is some examples of not having solid foundation. And if we have any safety people here, let me know. Right? So is it, this is a good solid foundation here, these ladders. Now I don't want to hear any personal stories here of how you might put your ladders. Um, that's not my house, by the way. I don't, we just got these off the left. All right, so that's one example. How about this guy? Like him? That's a good, solid foundation. There. I think that's an electrical panel, Jeff. <laughs> All right, so that's one. It's fiberglass wire. It's not a metal one. All right, was that, was that it, Brian, or did you find one more? Those two. All right, very good. So that's a couple examples. Now, you've probably got your own ladder story where you got creative in the past. But the purpose there, right, solid foundation. Now, for those safety gurus out there, I'm definitely guilty of you got a ladder that's a little rocky, rocking back and forth. And what do you do? You, I put a piece, like a piece of wood underneath the leg that's a little short, right? But is that what you're supposed to do? No. Actually, you're supposed to dig it out to where it's nice and flat. Right? And then you got a good solid foundation on all fours. So, but faith, saving faith in God. Now, a strong faith and a strong foundation consist of three parts. And briefly, those three parts are the first part is belief. Paul said in Romans 10 9, he said in Romans 10 9, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. One of those promises, you'll be saved. If you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. So that's belief. Then we have trust. We have trust. A decision not to trust in our own words, but rather to trust in Christ, who can justify the ungodly. Again, in Romans chapter, excuse me, I'll switch. Romans chapter 4, verse 5. Romans 4, verse 5, it says, And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Right? So it's none of the work that we can do, but we have to trust in God that he is the only one that can save us through Christ. So we have belief, trust, and then obedience is the third part of faith. Obedience. Hebrews 5, 9 says, He became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. All who obey him. So we have faith. So you can have faith as a believer. And a lot of us have this faith of believers. And yes, we believe Jesus Christ came to save us. We believe he's the truth, the light, the only way to heaven. And guess what a lot of us do? We say, that's a nice seat right there. I'm just going to park it right here. Yep, this is good. I'm good. Jesus, you got it. Jesus, take the wheel. Right? You got it. I'm good. That's all, all I need. But in our scripture today, is that what Peter is telling us? No. He's telling us to continue to grow and to learn. So we have faith. So what's next? Next is called virtue. Virtue. What is virtue? Virtue is moral excellence. 
So Jesus lived a sinless life. Sinless life. 1 Peter 14 through 16. 1 Peter 14 through 16 says this. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who has called you is holy, you also be holy in all of your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Now, when I read that, I circled passions of your former ignorance. Well said is, you can't get over the old stuff. right? The passions, what you like to do before you knew Christ and what you knew holiness looked like, and what you knew what perfection looked like, you still like to live in that. The story of prodigal son, it's the, you still like to stay in the pigsty, right? You're still stuck right there, the passions of your former ignorance. But if you have that faith, if you truly believe, then you're going to see how perfect our Savior is. And you're going to want to strive to be like Him. And plain and simple, when you know Christ... Your life should be different. Your life should be different. It has to be different. You ever heard the phrase, I probably won't get it exactly right, but be careful who you choose, your, be careful who your friends are, be careful who you hang around with, right? Because we hang around, whoever we hang around with, we tend to imitate, right? We tend to imitate, right? And I'm kind of a little bit jealous of the disciples here because they got three years to hang out with Jesus, right? So they could see him, how he worked, how he interacted. And thankfully in the scripture, we have a lot of those stories that we need to read, we need to study, we need to see how he acted, right? So that we can continue to grow in that virtue and that moral excellence with that. Now, this is going back. Now, when is Valentine's Day? February what? February 14th. Well, here's a little nugget for you. You know how we have all these national days, like National Day of Pancakes and National Day of this and whatever? Yeah, maybe that's just IHOP. But I think, there's a, I think there's a pancake day. February 17th. February 17th is Random Acts of Kindness Day in the country. And I got to thinking to myself, why in the world do we have to have a Random Acts of Kindness Day? Why? Especially as believers, shouldn't they see Christ through us and our acts and our kindness? Shouldn't they see that? But no, we are so far away, so far removed, we have to have a National Random Acts of Kindness Day. I was like, really? And there's more interesting national days of dot, dot, dot. But I was like, really? We don't really need that. But it is a challenge for us when we realize that, wow, we have come so far away from God's word that we need that. So we have faith, we have virtue, and the next one is knowledge. Right? We have knowledge. Okay. <clears throat> so knowledge is a practical understanding of the truth. A practical understanding of the truth. Now, what is the definition of truth? There's a lot of different definitions of truth. I like the one of simply telling it like it is. Bam, leave it like that. Because we get into this whole absolute truth and your truth is not my truth. And we get into all that. But truth is simply telling it like it is. Right? Telling it like it is. And we know, as we've studied and we've grown so much, we know some of the um, aspects of you know, the history, the Bible, the, you know, 66 books and this thing, different aspects of it. But think about knowledge from a, a standpoint of if you've never had a Bible before, and you hand a Bible to someone. We did this at Bible study last week or two weeks ago, two weeks ago, about what would you hand someone a Bible? What would you say? Here, just read this. What would you say? And it was a great challenge from Pastor Huff because I hadn't really thought about it. What would you say? Here you go. Now, now we watched a, um, a comic, uh, a comedian, um, Michael Jr., and he said that he came to Christ, a lady just handed him a Bible at the airport. Just handed him a Bible at the airport and said, here you go. And she got on a plane. He's like, huh, I was thinking about getting me one of these. Right? And the funny thing, I remember him saying, he's like, I just opened up, started reading in Matthew. Right? And I got over to Mark and I was like, Jesus died again? And then he, 
Luke, he, Jesus, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't, don't, don't do it, Jesus. He, don't, and he died a fourth time. Right? Because nobody had ever told him, right, that it's a gospel, right? And it's four different accounts. He was just reading through the book. And he thought Jesus died four times. Right? So it's very important to you know, guide people, right, in that. So, so a quick blurb, a quick recap, right? If you do hand someone a Bible, at least get them started. And here's a fun way or a simple way to do that. Not a fun way. Sorry, I was telling a joke. But Genesis 1, 1 through 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Right? So in the beginning, it gives us something. Right? It gives them something. So remember, think about how to get someone started. Genesis 1, 1, 2. And then stop there. Stop there. They can read it if they want to. But think about, no one ever, uh, I know I'm not the only one that started a Bible reading plan in a year. And I got a little bogged down in Numbers and Leviticus. I know I'm not the only one that got a little bogged down in all those. Right? So you can't, it's hard to say just, hey, just start at the beginning and read. Right? But start at Genesis 1, 1. And then, Go to John chapter 1, 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him there was nothing. There was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the light was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome Him. So God created the earth. Jesus was there in the beginning. He was the Word. And then go over to 1 John 1, 1 through 4. That was from the beginning which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the Word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest in Him. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you so that you may have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things to our joy may be complete. So in the beginning, in the beginning, in the beginning, and then let the Gospels introduce them to Jesus. Right? So that knowledge, that knowledge, we have to continue to learn knowledge. Brian Herbert said this. He said, the capacity to learn is a gift. The ability to learn is a skill. And the willingness to learn is a choice. And we have a choice every day if we want to continue to grow in our spiritual maturity. All right. So next is self-control. Faith, virtue, knowledge, and self-control. All right, self-control. Sorry, that one's a little crooked. So mastery of self and control of one's appetites and drives. Woo-wee. Proverbs 25, 28. Proverbs 25, 28 says, A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. Right? So what really drives you? Right? What really drives you? Is it something in the world? Is it something um, earthly? Is it eternal? What are we addicted to? What do we watch? What do we do? So is, is chocolate evil? Is chocolate evil? For some people, maybe. Is coffee evil? Nah, coffee's not really evil. Is money evil? No, but it's the love, right? Of money, it's the fact that we don't have the, the balance of these things in our life, right? Uh, Mark chapter twelve, verse thirty. Mark chapter twelve, verse thirty. Most important commandment. It says, "And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength." So there's four things there. You know, everyone kind of has a word for the year. Well, the word that keeps coming to my mind over and over again is just balance. Just balance. Just balance. And you have these four things. So when it comes to self-control, 
You shall love the Lord your God with your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. In your daily life, in your daily walk, are you touching these four? Right? Are you building up these four? I mean, it, they, they're all intertwined. God designed us that way. Trust me, I've not been working on all cylinders last three days because of this crud in your head, right? And you know, if something hurts, it distracts you, right? Because we're not able to balance them. And we have to purposely, purposely focus on these things, the self-control, right? So faith, virtue, knowledge, and self-control, right? And then we get to steadfastness, steadfastness, Okay? So steadfastness is endurance, perseverance, and courageous patience, right? So endurance, perseverance, and courageous patience. 1 Corinthians 16, 13 says, Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like man, be strong. Now this isn't that Tim Allen, strong. This is a strong that's perseverance. You're there every day. You're making the same decisions every day to continue to grow to continue to worship to continue to read your bible and yes you don't just worship in god's house hopefully you've grown and you've realized that how you work how you do this how you drive how you treat people how you how you you know fix people how you support people everything you do if you think about it as an act of worship because always everybody's watching you one of renee's and i we haven't done it lately but one of our favorite thing is just to go people watch it's kind of fun. It's kind of fun. People watch. But steadfastness. We have to keep that fire kindled in our life. Sometimes, yes, we get it. There's ups and downs. The fire is just so strong. We're on fire for God. Sometimes it gets a little lighter. But we have to keep the fire burning. That's why I put it in this steadfast section. It says, Charles Spurgeon says this, For if this fire should be smothered beneath the ashes of worldly conformity, it will dim the fire on the family altar and lessen our influence both in the church and in the world. So if we do conform right, to this world, our effectiveness as a believer in Christ diminishes. So that's why we get the steadfastness here of endurance and perseverance. I get strength from those promises that we talked about earlier. And then that hymn comes back into my mind of standing on the promises, right? I can't do this. There's a promise that God will help you through that, right? So steadfastness. Godliness is the next one. All right, steadfastness, then godliness. So godliness is the quality of being like God in our daily life. The quality of being like God in our daily life. Everybody remember the WWJD, right? What would Jesus do? I didn't have one of those bracelets. Right? What would Jesus do? Do people see Jesus in your life? Because if you live your life, right, if we continue to, right, okay, God, yep, I'm, I'm all in. You're it. I know. You're the way, the truth, and the life. I'm going to continue to grow. I'm going to continue to learn. I'm going to make sure in my life that I'm focused on the areas I need self-control in. I can do this. I can do this, right? I'm going to do it every day. I'm going to continue to learn what you look like so that my life can look like yours and the way that you want it to be. Does your life look like that? James 4, 9 says, Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. I found that to be so true in my life. Turn with me now to Genesis chapter 33. Genesis chapter 33. Genesis chapter 33, um, verse 10. 33.10. <clears throat> it says, Jacob said, No, please, if I have found favor in your sight, then accept my present from my hand. For I have seen your face, which is like seeing the face of God, and you have accepted me. Seeing the face of God. Now, many of us may remember the story we were taught, right? Esau and Jacob. Esau was the firstborn. Jacob was the secondborn, right? But then Jacob stole the birthright. 
Right? When you hear, oh, it's the face of God, does that sound like a great shining story, right? But we know this story had a lot of turmoil, conflict, and essentially Jacob stole the birthright of Esau, and Esau was pretty hot about it. He was so hot about it that Jacob said, I got to get out of here, right? And he was out of there. And then decades later, he came back. Jacob came back. And Esau surprised Jacob by his show of grace when his brother came back. Grace, that undeserved favor and unconditional acceptance is what Jacob saw in the face of Esau, which caused him to say, I've seen your face, which is like seeing the face of God. Do people see Christ on your face? We've been watching a lot of Andy Griffith episodes lately. There was an episode that we saw last night with Barney and Andy. Um, Somehow Andy had got off the ballot for sheriff. And... um, they did a write-in campaign, but so Barney was running against Andy. I don't know if you remember this episode, but Barney had his flyers made up, and he went around to put them in the, to the barbershop, and he handed the flyer to Floyd, and Floyd said, you look like you're sucking on something sour. Well, he had his face up there, right? And of course, Barney didn't like that. But do people see something sour on your face, or do they see Christ on your face? Do they see mercy? Do they see grace? Do they see love? Esau showed that love to his brother and his grace to his brother. Which leads us to the next one. Brotherly affection. All right. Brotherly affection. So love for our brothers and sisters in Christ. It's a care and compassion to our fellow brothers and sisters. We just talked about a story of Esau and Jacob, but 1 Samuel 18.1 says this, As soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Brotherly affection. Now, I would say that, that this is an area that I've grown in tremendously the last three or four years. Tremendously. This church family is incredible. right? And then upward, the, the program that we joined. But just to be able to develop relationships with people, and what do you need? How can I support you? What can I do to help each other? Not just as a physically, earthly, sure, but then how, what question can I answer? Or how did you see this? Or how can we grow together? This is something really amazing to me. You see it in the scripture as well in 1 Thessalonians 4, 9 through 10. Paul writes, Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. For that indeed is what you are doing to all your brothers throughout Macedonia. So he was writing to the church in Thessalonica there, telling them that he is seeing that brotherly love and is telling them, thanking them for that, but encouraging them. Now, last week I shared at the rescue mission where the bus driver kept us on on the bus because she just felt called to pray for the guys and bless the guys one more time after the fishing tournament, or just the fishing outing for the rescue mission. She had a strong love in her heart for guys she never met. But God has spoke to her and, and said, hey, and put it on their heart to just pray for them one more time. And I thought that was so awesome because that's that love that she has there um, for people she had never met. But then people that you do know and that you do meet, how deeper is that brotherly love for them? And as I, I found that <laughs> it's always a loaded question when someone says, how are you? How are you doing? And as I continue to grow, I've tried to brace myself for those answers. And I've tried to listen more for those. Notice I said I tried. I tried to listen more when people ask that question. But I know people right now that are struggling with the, the threat of divorce in their life. And it's affecting their work. And I learned that by asking the question, how are you doing? Because brotherly love is not just for those that are in here. Brotherly love and affection is for those that we are with every day in our lives. Right? So whether it's divorce or 
someone struggling with their identity or battling cancer or chronic pain. Brotherly love is prayer, but it's a lot more than just prayer, as we are called to be the hands and feet of Christ. Now, I've also learned that sometimes serving others can just be sitting with them, can just be sitting with them and being there, but a lot of time it requires action on our part. All right, and the next one, and the last one for today is love, okay, is love, which is the self-giving of good of others. Love is faith's finished product. It's one of those sentences you can't say that many times fast. Love is faith's finished product, okay? 1 John four sixteen says, God is love. 1 John 3, 2 says Christians are to be like him. Therefore, if God is love and we want to be like God, Christians should show our love. Several years ago, um, I didn't tell her I was going to say this, but you know, I prayed that I wanted to love my wife more than what I did. I wanted to love her and get to know her even more. And God answered that prayer as we spent more and more time together. And we love to spend more and more time together. Like I said a while back, it helps that she humors my fishing and she goes with me. But ask God to know him more. And ask God. You ask God, comma, when you're ready, and comma, to know him and love him more. Because when you just tell God, I want to love you more and I want to know you more, he's going to challenge that. And he will allow you to know him more and allow you to love him more. But it might not be in the earthly ways that you want. That's why I said, when you're ready, continue to grow, continue to learn, and God will guide you and allow you to grow for sure. Okay, back to our main passage. 2 Peter chapter 1. Let's go to verse 8 as we start to answer the question, So what, Kevin? Thank you. Sounds good. I know that I'm not in trouble because I eat chocolate and I drink coffee. But so what? So what? Here we go. Verse 8. For if these qualities that we just mentioned here are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. What's the key word there? Increasing. Now, would you say these things are increasing in your life? There might be some of these things you had not thought about in a long time. Some of these things you might not even consider. But are you increasing in those? Your fruit can be increasing. We got fruit flies. Anybody else got fruit flies? We talked about the other night how to catch them. What was it? Vinegar. Vinegar. Vinegar and Dawn. Poke a little saran wrap over the top of it. Trap your fruit flies. Well, why do you have fruit flies? Because chances are there's a piece of fruit that is fermenting. Ugh. For us, it was a peach pit that we didn't get out of the house and we had all these fruit flies. But what do you want your life to look like? Do you want to look like it's abundant in fruit or you're a piece of fermenting fruit? That's the challenge. Right here in verse 8. What do you want it to be? If you focus on these qualities and you increase these qualities, right here's the promise that says you will be fruitful. Right? And verse 8. Your personal ministry will be fruitful. Verse 9. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Right? So right here it says that whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted. Nearsighted. They can only see, bam, right here, what's in front of my face. Why is God putting me through this? Why is God doing this to me? He's probably getting you ready for a conversation that you need to have. In a year, two years, three years, four years, five years. He's getting you ready. He's getting you ready. You're so nearsighted at eternal perspective. 
perspective is what you need. Right? So, like I said, when I sat down on this ladder earlier, faith, right, we forgot that we said, God, yes, yes, I'm yours. I believe you. I got it. I'm yours. I'm right here. Whoops. But then what? You said that's enough. You said that's enough. But it's not. Actually, it is. I'm going to show you how it is. But there's a reason here in just a minute. That you just sat down and you failed to turn around and realize you still have the opportunity to grow. We have the opportunity to grow. Verse 10 says, Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election, for if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. There's another promise. If you practice these qualities, you will never fall. Now it says be diligent. So have care and be conscious about what your calling is. What's your purpose? What's your purpose? It's a big question. Rick Warren wrote a book, sold a lot of copies. <laughs> What's your purpose? Right? Have you thought about it? Have you really thought about what your purpose is? That's a challenge for you this week. Think about what your purpose is. So when we took the guys to the rescue mission, I was like, it's a great afternoon, great evening. Again, thanks for everyone that helped for that. But I was like, good. Everybody had a good time. Everybody was safe. Caught a few fish. Guys said they really liked it. I was like, I'm ready to go home. And so Renee was like, are you going to ride the bus back to the rescue mission? I said, well, I wasn't planning on it. She said, we should. And I was like, nah, I'm ready to go home. And she said, I think you should. I was like, okay. So here's the bus coming, right? And I was like, Lily, you want to ride back with me? Because it was a pink bus. And I'll tell you, let me roll up in front of the Martinsburg Rescue Mission with a big pink bus and say, hey, guys, let's jump on. But I didn't choose the bus color. But that was funny. So I was like, Lily, you want to ride with me on the pink bus? And she said, yeah. So about your purpose, right? So we're riding back from Zets. And we get to the stoplight up here on 11, and, the, and uh, I'm, I'm not making more out of this than it is, but, you know, the, 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 the sun was setting, it was sunset. And, and God told me, right? I mean, you, know, you hear those, God told me. And this wasn't like a, oh, I'm, not, I'm not overplaying this thing. But the phrase simply said was, just serve me, and I will bless you. Just serve me. So yes, I talk a lot about fishing. It's a passion I have. But that's my thing. That's not your thing. What is your thing? What is your purpose? Just serve him and he will bless you. Verse 10 there says, God will not let us fall. What do you think about that? God will not let us fall for practicing these things. All right? So we start out our faith. We go with our virtue. We go with our knowledge. Right? And we keep climbing. Now, I'm not going much farther than this. And I got three points of contact on the ladder. Um, corporate ladder versus the Christian ladder. We don't climb this ladder as a Christian, and say, look at me! I want to make sure I clarify that. We want to keep all of our hands and our feet and our attention, our mind, our body, our soul, our hearts, fastened securely on this ladder of faith. Right? Hey, I can go ahead and tell you, Y'all look different up here. And I can tell you again, you look different up here. Your perspective changes as you can really change this. Like I'm coming down really soon because this is getting a little scary. Your perspective changes as you grow and mature as a Christian. It does. So let me, let me get down. <laughs> we continue to... We continue to grow. That's the point, right, of the takeaway. We'll get distracted, right? We'll get distracted by a lot of things as we go along our journey. We're actually 
kind of like the sin angle. We're going to talk about that a little bit next week. But I want to end here with verse 11. It says, For in this way there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Sweet. Richly provided. Eternal entrance. What's that mean? It means there will be a heavenly reward. And this was a neat little thing that I continued to grow and study on this week. So turn to me one final passage in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 13. Actually, I'm going to start at 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation... Now, we're talking about the foundation of Christ. That's what Paul has set up for us here. We're talking about building on the foundation of Christ, right? We started down here on faith. We got a solid foundation. We got Christ. Now we're building on it in our lives. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest. It means shown visible, for the day will disclose it. Now, this day... Is judgment day. Notice it's got a big D. Judgment day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work has anyone, if the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through the fire. So what does this mean? So to me, when I read it, when I study it, we got this solid foundation of faith. When we go, we face a judgment day. We will all face a judgment day, right? And we will know whether we get into heaven or not by our relationship with Jesus Christ. God knows that. But I'm here to tell you there's more. The Bible talks many times about rewards. So take all of your life's accomplishments. Take all of your, you know, the conversations you've had with people. This potluck or this dinner, it all counts. Okay? But it goes deeper. Who have you led to Christ? Who have you shown love of? Has the people seen the face of God on your face? It'll all be laid out there. It'll all be laid out there. And there will be a fire that comes, right? And if it still stands, if a relationship with Christ, you brought a brother and sister into the kingdom, you helped the widow or the orphan, that stands. The fire. All those other little things that you think might have mattered might have been that hay or straw and it's going to burn up. So again, think about all your deeds that you've done. Okay? There's a fire coming. That fire is going to burn up your life just like that. And what's after that fire determines your reward in heaven. There is a reward in heaven. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. I may grow, I may study, I may learn it. God may or may not let me know. But there will be a reward in heaven. Think about it this way. Think about it this way. We're running a race. Boston Marathon. Anybody know how many people run the Boston Marathon? There's, there's a lot of people. I don't know. Let's, let's call it 1,000 people. I don't know, probably a lot more than that. A lot more than that. But call it 1,000 people are running this race. All right. Greg, you want to be in the race with me? All right, we're going to run this race, right? How many people are at the finish line? Hundreds. Thousands of people at the finish line, right? Woo, Greg gets to the finish line. He wins the race. Woo, everybody's cheering. Yes, good job, Greg. Yes, come on in. Get your reward. Woo, great job. Greg climbed this ladder. He touched people's lives. He showed them Christ. He was virtuous. He continued to grow in his knowledge. He loved his brothers, loved his sisters. He was steadfastness. He did it every day. Those things stand the fire. All right, I'm running that same race. I get to the end of the race, and I'm dead last. How many people are still at the... Now, just think about this and be honest. How many people are still at the finish line cheering when the last guy comes across the finish line? How many people? Not many. Right? Because all they want to see, they want to see who wins. That's it. 
Now, if I come across that finish line, did I finish? I finished. And boy, I'm thankful I finished. Right? But this scripture, this passage here tells me that I'm going to get in. Though he himself will be saved, but only as through the fire. Ever that phrase, by the skin of your teeth? You still get in, because that's what God promises. Because you stood on that ladder right there at faith. And you did. That's a saving faith. So why, Kevin, don't I just stay right there? I'm telling you, you can stay right there and you can get in. But there's promises, richly, that you can have in heaven as your reward one day. That's what you should look forward to. But the great thing that I like about that is that's awesome. That's wonderful. I love rewards. It helps you with the end in mind and the eternal perspective. But guess what? When you do these things, you're blessed here. You're blessed here. And you help a brother. You help a sister. God reveals something to you in your word. Oh, that makes so much sense. Why didn't you tell me that 10 years ago? It helps. And you get to enjoy those blessings and those rewards now. We preach from this pulpit a lot that it's not rainbows and unicorns. I don't know if I'll use that phrase. I'll probably use that phrase. It's not rainbows and unicorns. It's tough. Life is tough. But our faith firmly grounded in those promises and that reward in heaven keeps me going. And I hope it keeps you going as well. So the worldly people climb to the top of the corporate ladder to enjoy the riches of the world. Christians climb the ladder to enjoy the blessings of our divine Father. But unlike the world's riches, ours will never fade. Ours will never fade. That's it for the message. Lillian, I'd like to ask if you could pass out those. At the end of Bible study, we always have a three-by-five challenge. Three-by-five index card. So Lillian's got some index cards. So I'm going to challenge you um, this week. So Lily, maybe Lily, Morgan, Daniel, you pass, pass those out real quick. Um, and then Brother Brian, you can feel free to play something if you 